Hey, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had so many questions. How do I record an episode? Where do I go to find background music? And how do I distribute my show to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other places people like to listen? Where do I find advertisers? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing, and monetizing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. I know. It's crazy. So download Anchor. Start making your podcast today. Welcome back to your favorite sports podcast, All Good Points. I'm your host, Ricky Gray Jr. A ton of NFL head coaches got the exit lights turned on for them after the season came to a close. So let's talk about why that happened and the potential places that some of these head coaches could end up. Moving on, the Titans and the Vikings were sent home by division rivals on Sunday and will have to watch the postseason from home. But don't fret about it too much because there are some positives that go along with heading home early. Last but not least, the wild card round is this weekend, so let's talk about the schedule and make some picks for who's moving on and who's heading home. Remember to rate and review all good points on your favorite podcast platform. It's all sports, all players, and all good points. Now let's get to it. So first things first, I just want to say Happy New Year to everybody, okay? I appreciate all the love and all the support that I get from a day-to-day basis with you guys. I appreciate it. I'm ready to head in, just dive right into it. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the head coaches that had to turn in their keys after Sunday's games. Coming in at number one, Marvin Lewis. This one, personally, I feel is a long time coming. Marvin coached the Bengals for 16 seasons and posted a 131-122-3 and tie record. The problem is not his regular season record, though. His problem is his 0-7 record in the playoffs and his 8-26 record against the Steelers. His inability as a coach to win in the postseason is a huge contributor in his downfall, but there are a fair amount of places that he could end up. Now, the funny thing is, he's been coaching them for the last 16 seasons, so you can't take anything away from him there. He was obviously one of the longest standing coaches um, in the league right now. As of right now, he's one of the longest standing coaches up until him getting fired. Now, Cincinnati doesn't really have a team that I even personally think could make a postseason run. But I do understand the times that they've been in the postseason, they have lost and usually this more often than not they go in as like a heavy underdog like they haven't been really a team that you go yeah they can go deep into the playoffs now that's not all necessarily Marvin's fault that doesn't all fall on the head coach but at a certain point the organization has to kind of take a step back and be like okay we need to evaluate who we got as a head coach maybe we need to make a change here change in scenery just shake things up a little bit so I kind of understand that okay the thing is They did go and hire Hugh Jackson about three weeks ago. Now, I hope that the Bengals organization is smart enough to not name Hugh Jackson the next head coach of the Bengals because that's not a step forward for Marvin Lewis. Like, you're talking about like one of the lose, like one of the biggest losing coaches in the league is Hugh Jackson. And you can tell me that it's because he was coaching the Browns, but I mean, the Browns had seven wins this year which just like doubled his wins in his tenure with the Browns. So 
it's not a Hugh Jackson thing. Okay, it's not, I don't think they turned the keys over to Hugh Jackson. The weird thing that I thought, though, was the fact that they ended up giving Marvin Lewis a contract extension after last year. Like, if you were going to fire him, you would have fired him last year before you gave him a three-year contract extension. That didn't make too much sense to me. But they also had a <clears throat> had another rough season this week, or this year. Um, and I think that's part of what weighed into it, is the... The, the bad season this year, the bad season the last previous years, and it's all just cumulating. Like, it's all just adding up 0-7 and seven record in the playoffs, 8-26 and 26 against the Steelers. So that losing is, is really what got him fired. It was losing the big key games. Because you can have a great regular season record, right? But if you go into the postseason and you lose in the postseason constantly, there's zero reason for a team to keep you around. But the the interesting thing about that is that they knew about Marvin's 0-7 record in the playoffs last year before they gave him this contract extension. So why give him a contract extension? That part didn't really make too much sense for me on the Bengals' part. The other part of it, I think, actually weighed into them knowing how many coaches are going to be out on the market. Maybe they think they can land somebody better. Maybe they think they can they can try to woo a, a, a Josh McDaniels, or they can uh, they could probably try to grab Jim Bob Cooter now that he's been fired. Like you know, there's there's options out there for them. Um, I think in reality, though, I just really hope that they don't turn over to Hugh Jackson and go, "Hey, guess what? You're going to be the new head coach." Because that doesn't make any sense. That's not a step forward. That's a step backwards. Do not. Do not turn those keys over to Hugh Jackson. That makes zero sense. If you if you wanted to continue losing, you should have just kept Marvin Lewis. Now, speaking of options and speaking of different coaches that are going to have to look for a job, let's talk about Dirk Cutter. Now, this was a very quick move by the Bucks organization. In his third season, Dirk Cutter has been let go after posting a 19-29 and 29 record. I am not, and I repeat, I am not going to blame that losing record all on Dirk. They have had serious inconsistencies from their quarterback, okay? Regardless of who's starting. I don't care if Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting. I don't care if Jameis Winston is starting. I don't care if they go grab Joe Blow from the stands and have him start at quarterback. He's probably going to have a good game and then have two really crappy ones right after it. So when you have this inconsistency at quarterback, your front office doesn't want to make a move to pick up maybe a veteran quarterback since there were so many on the market. You want to stick with this kid from FSU that he was good in college, but he has been nothing but inconsistent throughout his years in the NFL. So when the front office doesn't make any moves, how do you blame that on a coach that's only been with the team for three seasons? That I don't understand. Like, I understand that there are a bunch of coaches that are going to be out there on the market, but another coach does not fix your issue at quarterback. That's that's not how that works. You can't bring in another coach and then your quarterback instantly becomes consistent. It's not the way that it works. That's your quarterback issue. So I think one of the biggest things that the Bucks organization needs to do this year, this offseason, no more waiting, is make a decision on Jameis Winston. Are you starting him? Are you benching him? Are you letting him go? Are you drafting a quarterback? Are you looking for free agents? Are you going to try to make a trade? You need to figure that out because that organization is never going to be any good if they continue to have this inconsistency at quarterback. That is, that's your linchpin for your team. That's, that's a fact, okay? Your linchpin for your team is your quarterback. 
So when you go off and you think that a coach that has only been there for three seasons is responsible for your downfall as a team, you're absolutely wrong. 19 and 29, I can tell you the, the 10 games that you know they lost, that, that's like a credit to either Jameis Winston or Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that falls back on the organization. That does not fall back on the head coach. The head coach only has the right to say who's going to start and who's going to sit. He had two crappy quarterbacks to deal with, okay? Two very inconsistent quarterbacks to deal with. How do you, how do you tell him that a 19 and 29 record is his fault when the front, when the front office can't even make the decision on whether they're going to continue down the path with the quarterbacks that they have, or if they're going to make a move in the right direction, maybe pick up a veteran quarterback, maybe draft another quarterback. If you don't give some, if you don't give a, a, a very inconsistent quarterback some competition, what's going to end up happening is he's going to get complacent because he knows he has a starting job. That's exactly what happened with Jameis Winston. So the Bucks are not going to have any success with a new head coach. They need to make a decision at quarterback, and they need to make it before it's too late, and they end up blaming another head coach, okay? So this is another, like, surprising firing for, for me anyways. Vance Joseph of the Denver Broncos was fired after two losing seasons, okay? One of the things to note is that Vance has had two different starting quarterbacks, Paxton Lynch, a player that John Elway traded up for in 2016, he was released, okay? So there's more problems than just the head coach for this football team. They picked up a diamond in the rough with Philip Lindsay, right? So they have that. The The crazy thing is you let a, a very experienced and a very good route running, a very good possession receiver in Demarius Thomas, you let him go. So, so as an organization... You guys are just falling apart at the seams, and you need somebody to put the blame on. Okay, well, here's Vance Joseph. He's had two losing seasons. Let's put the blame on him because it's probably his fault. Absolutely not. It's not Vance's fault. The team is bad. You got Case Keenum, a journeyman, played great at Minnesota, led them to a 13-3 and record. I will not take that away from Case Keenum. But the Vikings offense is different than the, uh, than the Denver Broncos offense. They have a great running offense. They didn't lean on that. They leaned on... Philip Lindsay for a couple of games, but then when it came to big game win time, you know, some stuff fell apart. But at the same time, I honestly thought that the Broncos were looking up. They had a couple of players in the right spots. I think Vance was actually gaining the team's trust a little bit, but I honestly think that this is John Elway going, my team is losing. It's kind of my fault. I need somebody to blame this on. Talking about placing blame, okay, this is my least favorite head coach firing. A couple of these I saw as being justified. This one is absolutely unjustified. The Miami Dolphins fired Adam Gase. Okay, the Dolphins are are now on a sort uh, on a search for their fourth coach of this decade. And honestly, this firing was not even relatively warranted. He finished twenty three and twenty five after three seasons. We just talked about Dirk Cutter, who had a nineteen and twenty nine record after three seasons. So. Just saying, Adam had a better record than that. That's neither here nor there, though. But he led them to the playoffs in 2016, all with a very lackluster defense and an injury-prone quarterback. Believe it or not, okay, Miami organization, believe it or not, it takes more than three years to solidify a championship-capable team, especially when your starting quarterback is injured very, very often. Now, 
considering how good of a coach I think Adam Gase is, he could end up in a lot of spots. Now, they say that Josh McDaniels is a lock for Green Bay. I don't think so. I don't necessarily buy him as a lock. I do think Adam Gase could actually go over there, interview with Green Bay, and get that job. That's an offense, a very strong offense, a quarterback, a very seasoned veteran quarterback, a great quarterback, as long as he stays healthy, which he played this whole year out, which is what his goal was anyways. And I 100% applaud Aaron Rodgers for that. So if you put Adam Gase on a team like that with a, with a defense that's actually like up and coming and being a little bit more dominant, Adam could be a really good coach for Green Bay. He could also be a really good coach for Arizona. You know, there's opportunities in Arizona. There's an opportunity in Tampa Bay. Maybe he could actually make the decision of we're going to start with this guy and that's it. We're not going to play fickle. We're not going to bench anybody. We're just going to ride him all the way through. If he fails, he gets let go. That's what you need. In a, that's what you need in a coach. Honestly, that's what you need in a coach. Adam Gase, he should have stayed in Miami. They should have gave him at least two more years to figure out um, like a, a starting roster that isn't going to get like crumpled with injuries. Like if if you go as a as a head coach, if you have any team that has injuries consistently, especially at the quarterback spot, you're not setting yourself up for success at all whatsoever. So best of luck to Adam Gase, best of luck to Marvin Lewis, Vance Joseph, Dirk Cutter. All of those guys deserve to be coaching somewhere. Okay. That's, that's a fact. They all deserve to be coaching somewhere. Hopefully they get jobs. Um, but enough about the coaches. Let's talk about two teams that are going to have a firm seat watching the playoffs at home anyways. So the Tennessee Titans and the Minnesota Vikings went into the last week of the season with the exact same goal in mind. You win and you're in. Sadly, both teams went home with the same result, a loss. So do we sound the alarms, ring the bells of despair, or is there a silver lining to this? Honestly, I'm just going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. I do think that this was needed for both teams, okay? Tennessee needs to get healthy again. And if they went to the playoffs, they would have likely lost and could have been dealt more injuries. You can you can talk about the way that Tennessee plays um, inconsistently because you, to be frank, you don't know what Tennessee team is going to show up that day. You don't know if Marcus Mariota is going to go out there and throw for 300 yards or if he's going to throw for 80 yards. And that's that's it. That's the end of the game. You know, that's the, that's the interesting thing. And he's had a lot of trouble with his elbow this year. Um, got slammed down on it really hard a couple games ago. So I kind of understood when they were like, okay, we're going to start Blaine Gabbert. I understand that because one... They have already decided that Marcus Mariota is the franchise of their team and are the franchise player of their team. And although I don't agree with it, I'm not in their front office, so I have no say over what happens. But there were some good things that happened this year for them. Mike Vrabel, the first year head coach, comes in, goes nine and seven, has a chance to get to the playoffs, loses a game. That's not his fault. There was a lot of injuries dealt to that team. Brian Arakbo is retiring. Jarrell Casey got injured. So there was a ton of things that happened, along with Marcus Mariota being injured. It's There was a ton of things that happened that contributed to them losing games. Also, they, they didn't rely on Derrick Henry up until real late in the season. And when you do that, when you 
like put all the pieces together at the end of the season, unfortunately, you might have just ran out of time, and that's exactly what happened. But they do have a lot of upsides going in, okay? They have a whole offseason to get Marcus Mariota healthy again. They get to revamp their offensive line a little bit, maybe find more weapons as far as wide receiver goes for Marcus Mariota to throw to, okay? They are going to go into next season with the mindset of we can hand the ball to Derrick Henry and he's going to take care of the defenses for us. He's going to have another 1,000-yard season next year as well. So when you have that, when you have all of those, like the ace in the hole kind of thing, there's things to build off of regardless of not going to the playoffs. So playoffs aren't everything if you're just going to go into the playoffs and lose anyways. And imagine if they went to the playoffs, Marcus Mariota has another bad week and they have to start playing Gabbard again. All you're going to do is go into the playoffs and lose out. That's it. Like that's that's all that's going to happen. So there's there's really quite literally no point to to go through that and put yourself through that. There's a lot of upside things for them this year, especially through the offseason that they can work through. They can find, they can, they can revamp, they can try to focus more on offensive chemistry, maybe get a couple of key defensive players and things like that. Tennessee is in good shape, especially with that division. Houston had a killer year this year. Indianapolis, that's kind of like comeback story of the year for uh, Andrew Luck. And <clears throat> unfortunately, though, I don't see you know Houston and Indianapolis being able to recreate that same magic. Like, Tennessee could come back in after the offseason is over with a healthy Marcus Mariota and make a serious run for that division and take the division by storm. They have the ability to do that. They have the pieces. They have a defensive-minded coach. So there's a lot of good, there's a lot of like good background for them right now. There's a, a very solid foundation set for the Tennessee Titans. So honestly, this offseason is an upside for them. They get more time, get a lot of key players back, maybe add some key players. There's there's some positives there. That's all I'm saying is there's some positive there. There's positives there. Now, as far as Minnesota goes, okay, Minnesota's offense fell flat on a day where they desperately needed the offense to fire on all cylinders. Now, plenty of the people I've gone over this before are placing the blame on the $84 million man, Kirk Cousins, and his horrible 5-25 and record against winning teams. That's don't don't get me wrong. That's a very trash record. I'm not going to say that it's good. Um, but let's take a look at one of the worst offensive lines in the league since I'd say like 2010. OK, Kirk has a very small window to go through his progressions. I can tell you right now, Kirk has about maybe one and a half to two seconds to go through three progressions. No quarterback can do that. OK, you're asking way too much of your quarterback when you when you try to give him two seconds to find three progressions and deliver a solid pass. That's that's not good. OK, that's really, really, really not good. And unfortunately, his mobility was just kind of not there this year. Like he didn't really scramble a whole lot. Now, that is his fault. That is on him. But at the same time, we do need a clean pocket for him to make throws down the field. That's just reality. That's just the way that football is supposed to be played. You don't see the guys that are throwing for 400 yards a game with a with an unclean pocket, okay? They have a lot of opportunities and a lot of time to make clean passes, and Kirk did not get this. Like, he... He didn't get that this year, okay? Now, whatever the whatever money that the Vikings can spare this offseason no, needs to go to the offensive line. If that means not re-signing Anthony Barr, so be it. Honestly, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Like, that's the reality of football. When you have 
when you have so many skilled players that are, you know, kind of sucking up a whole lot of the money, you can't go out and pick up a seasoned offensive line guy. You can't go out and pick up one of the stronger guys that are out there that maybe fits your scheme a little bit better. Their run game was weak, okay? The run game was absolutely weak. So when you have all of these problems, and this is the same thing that I said with Tennessee, like they would have went into the playoffs, had to play the Bears again in Chicago, there's not a good chance that they beat the Bears there. There's not a good chance that they go on after that, beat another team, beat two teams to get to the Super Bowl. That's that's probably not going to happen. So it's better that they lose now, get to the offseason, start making your plan for the next season, and realize where you went wrong. Because, you know, two games are, what was it, three games before the end of the season, you fire your offensive coordinator. Well, I hate to tell you this, but he wasn't working since like week four. Like ever since week four, he hadn't been doing good. Okay. It was the offense that was, you know, sputtering along, had like a great game sometimes against a crappy defense, but then would have a really, really bad game against a good defense. So he wasn't working for a very long time. They made that switch way too late. So there's, there's silver linings. And that's why I keep talking about silver linings, because now they get to go back, they get to reevaluate, they get to figure out what scheme they want to run, they get to add offensive linemen, maybe trade for some, you know, maybe not re-sign a couple of people so they have a little bit more cap room so they can actually sign some solid offensive linemen. I'm not talking signing a third string offensive lineman, that makes absolutely no sense. But Minnesota has a lot of work for the uh, work cut out for them as long as as long as they're willing to do the work you know they they do have a chance to have a better season next season they may be able to take that division again make a run through the playoffs maybe go to the NFC championship game maybe go to the Super Bowl you know they they do have that opportunity but they also need the time they need people to get healthy and they need to make some very very serious choices as far as the offensive line goes because right now it's just not cutting it now that's enough of the sad stuff there's plenty of deserving teams that are actually in the playoffs so let's look at the wild card bracket for this week shall we All right, guys, it's wild card round. This is when I get the most excited for the playoffs because it gets real serious and it gets real intense. So let's start with the first AFC game on Saturday. Indianapolis Colts versus the Houston Texans. That's an AFC South rivalry, okay? That is a that is a game to watch. If you are off on Saturday, I'm off on this Saturday, so I'm going to be watching both of the wild card games Back to back, I'm going to sit down, have a couple of beers, eat some food, watch some games. Indy versus Houston, though, man, I got to take those dogs at Houston. They just have a really good defense. And I don't think Andrew Luck's going to be able to deal with Jadavion Clowney and J.J. Watt. That's just me. Now, on the opposite side, I don't think Indy's defense is as strong as they need to be to handle somebody like Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins and Lamar Miller. I just don't think they have that. So I'm going to take Indy. Um, Indy, I think Indy's actually going home. I'm going to take Houston in that game. I see Houston moving on forward. Now let's talk about this NFC wildcard game. That's pretty nasty too. Okay. You got Seattle Seahawks at the Dallas Cowboys. They are in AT&T stadium. Seattle is a tough team, but I don't see them beating the Cowboys in their own stadium. I just don't see that happening. I got to take the Cowboys. I think Dak Prescott's going to have a really good game. Ezekiel Elliott is all rested up. 
Uh, Seattle's defense isn't as tough as they used to be, so I'm going to have to take Dallas over that. I do believe Dallas is moving forward. Uh, Sunday, though, another big AFC game, the Los Angeles Chargers versus the Baltimore Ravens. L.A. Chargers all the way. I do not think Lamar Jackson is experienced enough to lead his team to victory in a game that I think is just going to be a shootout. Like, I do believe that Phillip Rivers is going to put a lot of points on the board on Sunday. So, I'm taking the L.A. Chargers in that one. Now, this next one is pretty interesting, and I think you guys might be surprised by what I picked. Philly at Chicago in the cold, in the cold Chicago wind, okay? Chicago is riding this high of having a great defense, putting the NFC North guys out of their misery, you know? This this crazy defense, you know, this upstart quarterback, but but they're gonna have to deal with the Eagles, and the Eagles are a good playoff team. They had a great run last year that people weren't expecting. I could see them actually winning this game. I'm not going to pick them though. I do. I can see them. Like I can fathom them winning this game, but at the same time, I do think Chicago's defense is gonna overwhelm whoever starts at quarterback, whether that be Nick Foles. Or Carson Wentz. I think Nick Foles is actually down because of his uh, rib injury that he sustained. So I do think they get Carson Wentz back. But I don't think Carson is going to be able to put it all together against that defense. So I'm going to take Chicago moving forward. So let me just run back the picks. I got Houston, Seattle. Or sorry, Houston, Dallas, the Chargers, and Chicago. Those are my picks for wild card round. We'll re-go over the bracket after these games are done. We're going to talk about this next week. So remember to rate and review All Good Points on your favorite podcast platform. Follow me on Instagram at All Good Points Podcast. And as always, have a great sports weekend. Have a great new year. You guys are amazing. 2019 is going to be bonkers. So you guys get ready for giveaways. Get ready for ready for shout outs get ready for uh, new guests just get ready for all the stuff that we're going to be bringing in uh, 2019 everybody here at the all good points podcast family just want to say thank you so much have a great start to your year and have a great sports weekend